Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Hello. Your co-host, Hunter. Speak, friend, and enter. <laughs> Damn it. Is it the Lord of the Rings show? <laughs> Not supposed to laugh. And uh, your co-host, Spaz. Brought to you by good riffs of bad movies. Yeah, we were talking about... This is also true. We were talking about bad movies before the uh, the show, so that's why we're on that uh, track. Uh, folks, uh, first off, I just want to apologize. My voice is shot tonight because I am some kind of weird cold thing. So I'm going to try not to cough in your ears, but if I do, I apologize. Um, but we have a guest uh, this week joining us from... Oh, we're in Maryland, Alex. Where are you calling from in Maryland? Rockville. Okay, I know where that is. I'm from I'm from the Philly area, so I was I've been all over uh, all over Maryland. Okay. Beautiful state. Uh, joining us from Rockville, Maryland, is the uh, developer, creator, designer, just pretty much everything of uh, Star Sector, formerly Starfare. Alex Mozilov. Oh God, I probably butchered it. Sorry. Uh, uh, you got it right. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome, Alex. Uh, First off, let me apologize for not inviting you on earlier. Uh, your game has just been such a slow burn that, like... Yeah, it's it, taken a year or two. It's just kind of always lingering there in the background, you know? Yeah, you should be ashamed, Brian. <laughs> I know, I feel bad. I actually uh, bought a copy of this uh, a few months before I even started Space Game Junkie back in, like, 2011. <laughs> oh, wow, so that's... It's been a while. <laughs> That's very shortly after it was released. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like as, just about as soon as I heard of it, I'm like, I have to buy this. Um, so did it have um, the campaign in there at that point? Do you think did it have what the campaign or was it just missions? It was just uh, it, it was just the battle module and maybe a mission, a few missions. Like the campaign right. was not even anywhere. Like the campaign was a fever dream at that point. <laughs> that sounds accurate. Uh, so yeah, when did I mean it's what did you, when did you start work on this th- this thing that it's become this amazing thing that it's become? When did you start working on it? Um. Well, I think the f- one of the earliest check in dates in the repository is two thousand nine. So let's say two thousand nine. Oh my god, it's been a decade? Wow. Almost. It's late 2009, so we're not oh, okay. quite in double-digit years. Right. And the first year and a half of that was part-time. Um, had a full-time job and was just working on it on weekends and nights and stuff. And then put the first version out and set up forums and everything. And there was just way too much to try to keep up with. Like I felt like I could handle um, working on it and working a full-time job, but I couldn't handle working on it, working a full-time job, and also trying to manage and grow a community and stuff. So at that point is when I just took the leap and quit my job. Oh, wow. When did you do that? Um, I think around 2011. Oh, congratulations. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. So, folks, if you're not aware, um, it's kind of hard to describe Star Sector, formerly Star Fair. Uh, 
Remind me, why did the name change? Oh, good try. No, it's not something I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. But, uh, yeah, we didn't start- know if maybe it bumped up against something or what. But, yeah, to to what Brian was saying, though, the uh, the beginning of the game, like, what, what was the like the initial idea that you had, like what was this going to be? Cause it has, it has evolved and like over the, over the time as you've been making the thing, it's, it's changed a lot. So it, is it kind of like evolving into your vision that you had at the beginning or have you kind of changed that vision along the way? So it's both, I would say as far as the high level vision, it's just growing into what's kind of always wanted it to be. But as far as the details, so many things change. Like one probably simple example is, I think at, at first, for the combat portion of it, so it's top-down 2D, right? And the spaceships are pretty large. And you can see all the weapons and all that stuff. At first, I had envisioned it being like on a very different scale where you're much more zoomed out and you can just kind of see the ships, but not to the level of weapons. And... David, the artist uh, for the game, who's drawn all the sprites and does a bunch of other stuff, uh, he drew up some concepts for the ships, and I was like, okay, well, these are not quite what I had in mind, but they look great, so let's just roll with it. So it ended up being on a different um, visual scale than what I had in mind originally, but I think that wouldn't have worked as well as uh, this, because customizing the weapons is such a big emphasis, and like you need to be able to see them, so it needs to be larger. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the details really change just like you have something in mind and you think, Oh, this is going to be great. And then you try to do it. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. This actually kind of sucks, but this other thing works. So you end up just adjusting to what's fun, but the overall mm-hmm. vision kind of stays the same. Yeah. It's a thing about the, the scale of the ships is also, they have a lot of mass to them. So it's it's not like playing asteroids. Like a lot of top down games, the the ships are very maneuverable, but here it's it's more of a um, you have to commit to what you're going to do, um, you know. And and uh, I also like the flux mechanic quite a bit. I've I've never seen a game do it something like that, you know, because it's like you you have shields that give you more or less you know frontal coverage. I, I think some ships get more. Is that like an upgradable thing? Maybe. Um, but it, but it's basically like your shields can absorb so much, but then you have to vent that. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the heat mechanic in the Mech Warrior series. Um, but it mm. actually start, started out as uh, energy instead of being flux. So your weapons would require energy to fire. Your shields would uh, uh, consume energy when they're hit, and so on. But and flux is basically just an inversion of that. But what it does is it makes uh, overloads make more sense. For example, your shields absorb damage, flux builds up, gets too high, the ship overloads. When you run out of energy, it doesn't quite make as much sense. And then the venting mechanic where you dump all of your flux, but your ship's vulnerable, that also kind of makes more sense with flux as opposed to energy. Plus, energy is just a little more boring. <laughs> It's it's true. It's, it's not fair. as fun. It's not as fun a mechanic as the flux. That is that is very true. So, when you began this journey, did you expect the game to get as big as it's become, or was that like how it's morphed over time as you've kept on developing it? 
I didn't really know what to expect. I just kind of, I just knew I wanted to make this game. And I didn't really have any expectations as to, oh, this will be successful to this degree, it'll sell this amount of copies or whatever. So I really just wanted to work on it and uh, hopefully get it to a point where it would support ongoing development. But I just really did not know what to expect. And a lot of this is just comes down to luck, right? Do you get coverage from a big YouTuber or not? That can make or break development pretty much. Yeah, a lot of yeah, people who, in, in the chat were saying um, Total Biscuit uh, was the one that got them uh, on board with the game. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah and I've watched Nucrium play it a lot, too. It's who would you say it plays it the best? Like if I'm going to watch somebody's channel and, and learn from it, cause I suck at it, but <laughs> it, it's just, uh, over the years, you know, I'll, I'll like, I'll return to it, touch it, you know, mess around some and see what you've changed. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, once a I year say, or however often yeah. you drop updates, you know, I'll, I'll come back and, and fiddle with it some. And then it's, and it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to this, you know, one, once it's where it's going. But that last update that you put out was huge. You know, that, that was like a refactor of the whole game at that point. I think uh, if you want to see how somebody plays it, not like professionally, but very well, Beagle Rush might be a good uh, okay. to watch. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, I've I've heard, but I'd, I'd forgotten about him. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and check him out. He plays it in iron mode and uh, does oh very well. <laughs> yeah, because I, I depend on YouTube a lot for, for games where it's like I'm trying to figure out how to play the thing. And then if I can actually watch somebody that's competent, then it gets me a lot further along. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, then you just kind of see it makes the ideas click not just talking about star sector but just watching somebody play any game they just kind of understand the shape of how you're supposed to play it from watching somebody do it i i started learning it by failing a lot um i would like there's so many times i think i started six times before i started realizing i need to really watch my fuel and my supplies like a freaking hawk <laughs> Well, you know, I I end up playing these games that are open world stuff, and uh, well, like um, not Star Nomads, the 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 one the Trace Brothers are working on, right? So Star Trader Star Trader Frontiers, yeah. yeah. So it's like I'm playing that, and when it, I'll be playing a game like that, and it makes me think about Star Sector. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's a thing where a lot of games remind me. But oh yeah, I need to go back and play Star Sector. <laughs> Have you guys actually played through the tutorial in Star Sector? Yeah, yeah, the uh, three-stage tutorial that uh, covers the um, what is it? Basic combat, advanced combat, and fleet mechanics, I believe. Oh yeah, I was actually I meant the campaign tutorial. Oh, the one yes. where like I did do that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a very it's a very fluid and natural feeling tutorial. Where it's like no, go scan go scan it. this, go run from that, go sneak up on this. Yeah, a lot of cuz the uh the campaign slash sandbox is even in this stage of the game just an, such an amazing achievement. Just 
just astounding what you've done with this thing. Oh, thank you. It's kind of easy to uh, lose perspective of what it looks like to somebody on the outside because I'm just so used to working on it and just being in it. Well, it's it's kind of fascinating because when it started, like we talked about, it was this top-down tactical um, tactical combat game with really good UI, like really solid UI, lots of uh, lots of toys, lots of ships. And when did it start to morph into this much larger thing that it's become? Like, how did that happen? I think it was just gradual, um, just, you know, out of the campaign. At first, it was just one star system. You couldn't even jump to hyperspace because there was no hyperspace. Um, I don't know if you played that portion of it. It was just the Corvus system. and I vaguely remember that. Coming from off screen. Yeah, I vaguely, vaguely remember that from a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then I think the next release added hyperspace and a couple of star systems, and it was all still pretty rudimentary, and then it just kind of built from there. And uh, you know, the release before point nine, I think is when we got the star map, uh, with the sector and all the exploration and everything. And then now there's colonies, which is still going to take a bit more fleshing out, but at least you can actually establish colonies and grow them and all that. I have not been able to do that yet. Cause I just, I cannot carry either enough supplies or enough men yet. Uh, uh, I'm, get, I'm well, getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> if you go to Tritachion space uh, and visit a bar, you might be able to find somebody that'll spot you a couple of hundred thousand credits. Get that started. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I've uh, actually might be some I've, strings attached, but oh, I did see that, and I turned it down. I didn't like the terms of the deal. <laughs> I see. That's probably prudent. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. What if I don't make this by then? What's going to happen? Nah, I'm all right. And so. Uh, I've got a bigger fleet, which has better range. So I've been just going to all these systems and finding loot, finding, you know, I've, the exploration in this in this campaign is wonderful, and it, it's just so satisfying. I mean, you, I'm you glad kinda, you've been enjoying it. You, you kind of have that mechanic where, like, Elite has it, where like you get, like, you explore a planet and you get data from it, and you can sell that data, and the more valuable the planet, the more valuable the data. That's really yeah. Cool. I have been. I have been enjoying, from what little I've played so far, is the uh, scale of the game. It's a lot larger than I was anticipating. In what sense? Just the size of the sector, or yeah, yeah, the scale. Like, is actually, I'm sorry, like this this is all in a good like in a good way. Like I, it it was just pleasantly surprising. Yeah, that was something that like, I wasn't sure exactly what scale it should be. Again, it was one of those details that kind of changed during development. I think at first, when I was thinking about this way back, right, I was thinking maybe somewhere out around a thousand star systems, but then getting closer uh, to this point, it was just clear that there's actually a lot more going on in each star system than I thought there would be. So the total number of star systems should be lower so that there isn't just this hugely endless amount of stuff that's would at some point become just repetitive and samey. So it ended up being somewhere 
I think a little bit under 200 star, star systems in an average sector. It's pretty impressive, all things considered. And, yeah, and just yeah. the balance of trying to have it not be uh, too difficult to get from one end to the other, but also not have it feel too small. Yeah. Well, it's um, not like you need yeah. like a billion star systems like Elite. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and that and that's the problem there is right. It's it's like the content is spread across all that, so you have to go hunt for stuff. Where, um, m- to my detriment, the content finds me <laughs> in this. It's like I'm just cruising along, minding my own business, and then oh, pirate! Oh yeah, yeah, that can happen. Cruising down the street in your anaconda. So sorry, so- yeah. So the AI, I mean, I, I got to ask about the AI because it's kind of, it feels really re- like fleshed out and reactive. Like you'll see, um, you'll see uh, system fleets chasing pirates. You'll see other fleets trying to hide until you, either you or someone else scans them down. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, how much work has gone to the AI to make it feel so... Uh, so uh so well fleshed out uh the fleet ai in the campaign it hasn't been an enormous amount of work it's just um kind of been just built up gradually but all in all there's not that much to it um the ship ai for combat is i would say where 90% of the ai work in the game has been uh, the fleet AI has some neat things in it. Like one of the things I like about it is there's a sensor system in the campaign, right? Where you can detect a fleet from a certain distance, but then if they get further away than that, you lose track of them. So the AI um, obeys the same rules, right? It doesn't cheat and just always know where you are, but it will rem- remember your position and heading. So sometimes it'll feel like it's cheating because it'll predict where things you're going to go. And then if there's multiple fleets chasing you, they'll kind of spread out and try to cover as much ground as possible. Uh, so I'm just kind of fond of that aspect of it. But that's probably just about the trickiest thing it does. Everything else is fairly simple. Well, I do have to say, uh, probably the most impressive thing about the game, besides the amazing sandbox, is the tactical AI that you just mentioned. Like, a lot of times when I'm in a fight, I'll just, let the, I'll just tell the AI, I'll just give the AI orders, you know, like in the tactical like tab map, you know, right. because I'm terrible at flying the ships myself. It, the, the AI is better at it than I am, but it's just amazing to watch the AI use it, its ships to the fullest. Like it knows when to vent. It knows when to sh- hit the shields. It knows when to use specific weapons and launch fighters and, and all this stuff. It's just really impressive, both on your side and the, um, and the enemy side. Yeah, it's the same AI for both. I feel like that's kind of important to just have it feel a little bit more real and less like it's, um, I don't know what the word is exactly, like it's less gamey, I guess. I, yeah. I hate saying gamey because, I mean, it's a game, so everything in it is gamey right, to some but degree. But. You want it to feel like a real challenge and not like it's godlike or not like it's stupid or whatever. You want it to feel right, not like not, not like a human's behind not like it, but yeah, sorry. 
sorry about that. I was going to say not like yours is yours. The AI on your side is smart, and the AI on the enemy side is hobbled. You know that wouldn't feel right. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I've seen some battles that like I had to save scum because I barely made it out with like I took like five ships in. There were like three of them. I'm like, oh, five versus three. How hard can that be? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on the ships, too. Yeah, it really does. But, I've Sorry, go ahead. No, sir. I was just going to say, you were saying how you sometimes use autopilot um, to control your flagship, which is kind of funny because the AI is actually kind of designed to, um, with the assumption that one of the ships is going to be controlled by the player directly. Like for oh. example, one of the things it does is it's um, kind of conservative. It's one of the worst things, and it still happens, right? But it tries to avoid it very much as losing a ship for what feels like no reason. So the AI is pretty conservative about it. It doesn't try to do high-risk, high-reward maneuvers because if it screws that up, well, there goes a ship. You're probably going to want to reload, and you aren't even going to know it tried to do something smart. You're just going to see it, a ship blow up. So when you get AI facing AI uh, without a player controlling a ship, it ends up being um, a little bit slower paced than it needs to be because both sides are playing it safe. And then mm. it's kind of up to the player to control their ship and make those high-risk, high-reward decisions and swing the battle. And it also lets the player influence more of the battle. Even if there's a lot of ships on each side, they're being fairly conservative, so the player has a little bit more room to make an outsized impact on the outcome. Oh. So it's in the player's best interest to take over at least one ship, it sounds like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the skill ceiling mm. for what you can do with a single ship, especially if it's the right kind of ship and loaded out well, is just so high. Right, like mm. you can probably be ten ten times more effective than than the same ship controlled by the AI. Okay, fine. I will start. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible at hitting things with the ships. I'll tell you, I I'm just horrible at hitting things. <laughs> but uh, are you are you using the you know press shift to make the ship turn a certain way, or you're just using Q A and D to turn Q. W A S D. I I I always forget about the strafe, the shift strafe. I always forget about that. <laughs> that probably correlates to why you're having a hard time aiming, because that's basically what makes that possible. Oh, that makes sense. I'll try doing that more. <laughs> like, there's a few ships that are mostly broadside ships where you can get away with flying with tank tank style controls. Right. Uh, but most ships, you want to kind of strafe and circle strafe and do that kind of stuff. Oh, all right. Next time I have a fight, I'll give that a shot. Because uh, I save all the time, so I wouldn't lose that much. I wouldn't lose that much effort. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> it's such a dangerous universe. <laughs> Indeed, especially with uh, some of the pirate raids in the latest version. There. Oh gosh, really? I haven't seen that many yeah. pirates yet. Let's <laughs> yeah, just say there have been reports of somebody jumping into hyperspace and being literally surrounded by 20 large fleets. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> I can imagine it's not great. Taking some steps to tone that down a little bit. 
So I do want to ask, um, we got a lot of questions from people on YouTube and Twitter. And one that strikes me is asking about um, the game being programmed in Java. This game is programmed in Java? Yeah. So I'm going to assume that's uh, the whole thing with Java being slow and bad and all that stuff. And I mean, there used to be very legitimate criticisms of Java that applied way back in the day. For example, garbage collection wasn't that great. It could cause slowdowns. And um, it just some operations just weren't that fast, so it was kind of slow. But that stuff is basically just outdated now. It's perfectly fine as far as performance is concerned. Like Every single time I've had the game hiccup for some reason, I thought, hmm, I wonder if it's a garbage collector. It never was. It always turned out that I was just doing something stupid. I was like, oh, wait, I just shouldn't maybe have this huge loop try to do its job within one frame. I don't know if we... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think we've ever talked to another developer that's made their game in Java. There's there's a couple of people. Uh, I think Puppy Games uh, makes games in Java. Um, There's the Rise to Ruins game that's pretty popular oh, on steam that's, that's in java? java oh i didn't know that yeah yeah it's it's really it's fine right uh basically the question is you know, java is a higher level language than c plus plus meaning it's got more stuff built into it and it makes development of high level features faster it's easier to debug and so on right. on the flip side it is going to be a little bit slower but the flip side of that is you have more time to optimize the code if you need to. So it's kind of, unless you need the absolute most performance that the hardware can support, which you generally don't, and you wouldn't have the time to do anyway, then it's kind of the same. You either spend more time optimizing or you spend more time writing the code in the first place. So I want to actual- Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's hard not to interrupt when you can't see each other. I apologize. Yeah, uh, this, no, I understand. This is a problem we can't seem to get around. We tried using cameras. Nah, it did not work. Uh, so I wanted to ask about um, the Intel functionality of the game, which is one of my favorite things. It seems as though when you fly near inhabited systems, you'll start getting Intel as to contracts and missions they're offering. Um, right. Is that how that works? Like when you're flying, you don't because it doesn't look like you have to go to like a mission computer. Even though you can go to the bar and get missions, which I do like, uh, but it looks like they're just like broadcasting tasks they need done. Is that how that? Yeah, that how that works? yeah. So in the previous version, actually, you would have to go to a planet and open the com directory, and there was a mission board that you could go to that would have missions you can accept. But that felt like it was just a little bit. Too um, too much of a hassle mm-hmm. for kind of the, the fairly more the more generic types of missions, right? Get X amount of this, or um, and there's also in the in the new release there's a lot of notifi- notifications of something happening, so it doesn't make sense to have to go to a mission board for that kind of stuff. So all of the more general purpose stuff is just kind of if you're near a system, then stuff from that system shows up in your intel. And then the bar is for things that are more special. 
Okay, I've gotten some neat missions from the bar, not just like deliver this cargo, but like go to this system and get a technology cache for me. All right, I'll do that. Next thing you know, there's a fleet of like 80 ships protecting it. Like, nope, can't do it. I'll go back. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's actually a bit of a tricky question, like how to convey exactly how strong the player needs to be to really take that mission on. Mm-hmm. Because it also depends on you can't even say the player needs to be a certain level because their fleet can be very different right. even at the same level. Right. So it's just and what you don't want is to tune the mission to be to tune the mission's difficulty to the player's fleet because then it kind of feels like the player's fleet doesn't matter at that point. Oh. Right. It's it's funny. It's I did I didn't mind, like, finding out that I wasn't ready for that. Like, I didn't mind, like, oh, I have a pretty good fleet of, like, 12 ships. I'll go check it out. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for this. I'll go back later because there wasn't a time limit on it, on it or anything. Uh, so I was like, okay, I just know now not to do that yet. Um, I didn't have any problem with that, you know? Okay, that's good to hear, actually. That's useful feedback. Yeah, I mean, I saved right, af- right before I left... Um, the base where I had fueled and supplied up. Uh, so it's not like I lost a lot of time. So like, I was like, okay, I'm not ready for that. That's fine. Uh, we have a, we have a question from the audience. Uh, do you use any mods on the game at all when you, when you're playing it? Um, sometimes, but generally speaking, when I'm play testing, I'm play testing before a release. So I kind of need to be, testing vanilla because the mods don't even work at that point so there really isn't a whole lot of opportunity to just play the game and then play it with mods and so on so i keep wanting to but it just doesn't happen all that often i do uh, often end up testing with the console commands mod though because it's just so useful um it if you're not familiar the mod lets you open up a console um, and just do things like add a ship or just run some code or oh. destroy a fleet and so on. There are so, so many mods for this game. I I, I, didn't, I had no idea there are just so many mods for this game already. Yeah, there's a huge amount. It kind of blows my mind. Hunter, did you know that? You're, you're a big mod guy. Did you know that? There's like... There are already total conversion mods. There are mods that change factions. There are odds that add, mods that add factions. Uh, there are just a cornucopia of mods <laughs> for this game. Uh, how how I'm not a programmer. How easily moddable is it? Is it all in XML? Is it all in text files? Like how easy is it to mod this thing? Um, I mean it's. It's definitely designed to be very moddable. Uh, as far as how easy is it, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to, say, just change the stats of a ship, that's pretty simple. If you want to add a new ship, that's a little more complicated, but it's basically some text files with some fairly complicated data. But there are, I think, a couple of uh, community-built ship editors that make that simpler. And then a lot of the... More involved features require Java code. So the game can load custom 
code for mods, which uh, really expands the range of what mods can do. Right, and and like it's, I was just amazed. I was looking through the mod list the other day. How 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 many game changing mods there already are, you know, uh, you know, total conversions and and all this stuff. It was just amazing, which which shows what do people how people used to uh, make the mods. Um, I would, I think the most common Java development environment they use is NetBeans. I personally use Eclipse, but it doesn't really matter which Interesting. one you use. Oh, that's cool. I just realized my mic was muted for a while. Oh, no, I hope you weren't was... talking a lot. <laughs> you asked like some really burning questions that we'll never hear. <laughs> oh no, and they've already been forgotten. <laughs> that's all good. What yeah, show but... am I on again? <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, so I am a real noob to this game. I, I've dabbled with it over the years. Like every time, like Jim was saying, every time there's a new version, I'll fiddle around with it, and I'll be like, "Oh God, I'm dying all the time. I'm I'm just gonna stop because <laughs> I'm just dead, die, die, die." Um, but now I'm trying to actually learn it, and there is so much going on. Just managing your own fleet, like. It took me so long to learn how not to ignore supplies and fuel. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and how often you're losing crews, crew members? Yeah. And apparently there was ammo at one time. Thank God there isn't anymore. There was what? Uh, someone was saying there was ammo to keep track of at one time. Oh, uh, it wasn't in the campaign. It was oh. like your ships would just reload it after every battle automatically. It was just in combat. Your ballistic weapons would run out of ammo. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it could get a little weird if there was two ballistic using ships and they're both mostly out of ammo and most guns and they're just staring at each other. So I, I want to ask about supply usage because supply usage I find fascinating in this game. So supplies can – what affects supply usage? I, I'm learning this as I go. So basically someone in chat just said burning supplies from having too much crew. Um, how is that a thing? How does that work? So uh, if you ha- – your fleet has a maximum capacity for crew, cargo, and fuel, right? Right. So if you go above that capacity, which the game lets you do, then you start using extra supplies to maintain that extra capacity. Okay. So you think improvised cargo containers, you know, habitation bubbles strapped to the hull, that kind uh, of stuff. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's neat. And Makes sense. So really, you're not really supposed to go above capacity, but not letting you do that through the UI would be such a huge pain everywhere. <laughs> uh, not even just development-wise, just as far as what the player is trying to do, right? Let's say you want to grab a bunch of loot, and then you want to remove some of the loot. And if the game's like, oh, no, we can't take that until you've dumped something else, and so on, it would just be just very aggravating. So yeah. instead, the game's just like, all right, just take whatever. Everything's fine. And um, we'll just charge you a lot of supplies so you don't want to do it. But if you really want to do it, you can do it for just a short trip. 
Right. Like if I overloaded my cargo because I found a sweet loot cache and I want to run right back to base to sell this stuff, but I'm going to burn through some supplies doing it, you know, it's going to happen. But like, right. Like sometimes that might be an option. But like, I, I noticed on the crew thing, it tells you, like, this is how many, many crew members you need for a skeleton crew to run all your ships. Are you not supposed to have more than that? Or can you have more than that, but not over the max? Yeah, you generally want to have more than the skeleton because if you lose some crew in a battle then uh, and you only had the minimum, then you'll go below um, the required crew and your ship's combat readiness will will be affected. So you want to have some spare crew. Plus, let's say you're scavenging in an asteroid field or a debris field, might lose some crew there. So right. You want to have more crew than you need. Okay. That 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 makes sense because I I wasn't sure if I should just have the minimum or if I should have like the maximum, you know. Um, it's, it's probably kind of, somewhere in between. Mm, yeah, because I noticed there are some instances where you can find like 150 crew members uh, on an abandoned something or other. You know, it's like, oh wow, all right. Um, yeah, I did, I did like the one thing where I found a bunch of human organs. On a on a station, oh, yeah, that, that gets a little grim sometimes. That was that was gruesome, <laughs> and they were all in jars. They're profitable? Oh, they were profitable. I found like twenty of them. It's like wow. Well, you know, kidneys sell really well in the black market, <laughs> and this game has a black market. That's great. There you go. <laughs> I love how this game has three markets. Basically, you have the open, like civilian market, and then you have the military market. Um, which I find it interesting that the military market will buy things like recreational drugs off of you. It's a, it's a no questions asked buyback program. <laughs> Excuse me. Speaking of kidneys, there goes one. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Like I found like a cache of recreational drugs. I'm like, Oh, they'll buy this. All right. Because you don't want to use the I mean, black market apparently all the time, because you'll get a reputation bump. Or is that real bloody eye? <laughs> God, what is that from? I know that. What is that? Is that what is that from? Come on, Spaznos. Bloody eye. What the fuck? Uh, it's a cartoon. Right? I'm blanking, but then again, I'm is also it cow- halfway. Is it Cowboy Bebop? Is that is that? What yeah, that's you're from? you're good. Yes, that's it. Oh. Okay, it's one of the few episodes I've actually seen. All right, Whew, I feel a little. It's better. like the first. It's the first episode. episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is That's that funny. real bloody eye? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask because of the three markets, like the economy, like. How dynamic is it? Because you have some games like I haven't fiddled around with it much. I've mostly just been selling things. I haven't done a lot of trading. But you have games like Elite where, sure, there's stuff to buy and sell, but it doesn't matter. But in this game, I noticed there are convo- there are like alerts of convoys coming and going, and um, and things like that. So, is there an actual dynamic economy going on behind the scenes? It depends on what you mean by dynamic. Like the convoys factor into it. For example, if a convoy is lost for some reason, then you'll get shortages. But 
the convoys don't make the economy tick, if that makes right. sense. Right. I just, I just, that was an indication to me, like there's something more going on with the economy than just the basic numbers that you might see at a port. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's a background simulation going of an economy. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's actually, uh, if you go into car, into the trade screen, um, you can go into the colony screen from that. There's a button in the upper left, which shows you all the stats for a colony. For example, it might have four out of, four, four units of food out of the six that it has demand for. And it might have, you know, eight units of organics, but it's only able to export three and so on. And all that stuff factors into what the actual prices are. So, for example, let's say, uh, uh, let's say the Ludic Path uh, managed to disrupt the spaceport on a colony, right? All of a sudden, it's going to have a a lot of shortages because it can't effectively import stuff anymore. And B, if it's a producer of anything, it's going to have a lot of um, excess supply so it'll be selling stuff for cheap so um, mm. there's a lot of opportunities that can come up dynamically that you might be able to exploit or for example a pirate base uh, may target a particular system and that'll lower the accessibility of all the colonies there and it'll mean that they have a harder time both importing and exporting so that can open up uh, some profitable trades but just mm. sort of by default Trade is not going to be profitable if all the supply is met and all the um, or all the demand is met and all the supply is exported. But if there's mm. something that disrupts that, like either piracy or terrorism or whatever, then that's where you can make a profit. Now, I did notice there are also procurement missions, like some system says they need a certain amount of a thing. Is there a way to find where that thing is available? I, I, I couldn't find any kind of like trade screen or anything like that. Um, so I really yeah, didn't Yeah, so uh, to do that, you would, again, go to the trade screen and open up um, – well, actually, no, there's, a, there's an easier way to do that. If you have – just one unit of that commodity, let's say it's looking for metals, right? Uh, if you mouse over that, you get a tooltip, and if you press F1 to expand it, it's going to show you where the places, the best places to buy and sell it are. Oh. It's going to show the prices and oh, wow. how much it's got available, how much it needs. Wow, okay, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right, that's good. I'm not much of a trader, but that'll be good to know because I, I see all these missions, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where that thing is. <laughs> yeah, I would say the procurement procurement missions are not um, super well fleshed out. So sometimes they might work out well, but generally speaking, I wouldn't make them like a primary part of uh, trying to get ahead. It's no, more opportunistic thing. Yes. So so far, what's been working for me is finding like go scan this derelict probe mission. Uh, it may be all the way over there, but that's 90,000 credits for you, you know, and that's, those right. are, I love those missions. Cause not only do you have to scan that thing, um, usually there's other stuff in those systems that you can find like, you know, debris fields or, or, or derelict ships. Maybe there's some, the exploration again is so great. And, um, so I've been having a lot of fun with those missions, uh, particularly, um, Glad you picked up on the aspect of it where there's usually more stuff 
in a system where a mission points you. Because uh, that's actually kind of the idea behind those missions. There's a lot of empty systems out there, right? So you kind of mm-hmm. need some way to point the player to the interesting ones. And there's a couple of ways the game does this. And one of them is to have missions that lead to systems that have stuff in them. So you pick up a mission, which is you know just a mission, but it'll turn into a salvage expedition because you'll just run into more stuff on the way. Yeah, exactly. And I, re- I really enjoy like, oh, look, I found a new ship for my fleet. That's... That's wonderful. Um, I did. I did want to ask because I haven't figured this part out yet. How can, is there a way you can buy or build new ships? Because I have not figured that out yet. Uh, you can buy new ships. Uh, to do that, you just go to a colony and open up the fleet screen, and there's going to be a buy tab there. Oh and you can select, god! Select which market you're trading with, same as in the trade screen. So that's where it is. Okay, because I'm like, I need to buy a freighter or two and a tanker. <laughs> yeah, maybe the tutorial should cover this somehow, because I think you're not the first person I've heard have trouble with that. Yeah, I think I'm missing a lot, but I'm fine with learning it, but I'm I'm missing a lot. <laughs> yeah, and you can also build ships as well, but that's a later game feature. So basically, you would need to find a blueprint of a ship. Right, I think and I found a would, couple. Yeah, I found some like pirate blueprint that came with like eighty, like eighteen ships or something in there. It had like a whole bulleted right. list of ships that were in that blueprint. You too can be a proud owner of a custom built Buffalo Mark II. <laughs> uh, might not be the highest quality blueprint pack, is all I'm saying. <laughs> but you would actually need to build a colony and then build heavy industry on that colony to be able to build ships. So that's more of a mid to late game thing. Uh, So colonies are not meant to come in right at the beginning. That's, that's more like you said of a mid to late game. uh, I I would say the general arc of a playthrough that I have in mind, and that doesn't mean that's the only way to play it. Right. But the way I see it is the first stage is, kind of the exploration stage you start exploring you find some nice world you colonize it and you start building it up as you finish up exploring and then as that world grows it gives you more capabilities like shipbuilding defenses and so on and that then brings you into the end game and what's the end game or can't you tell us um some of the details are still up in the air, but it mm. I would like to have sort of more story things and have some specific ideas for what to do with um, I don't know if you've seen any of the remnants star systems. I haven't seen any of the remnants I don't know about the systems, but I've run into a lot of remnant fleets that are just like bleep blorp bleep, leave us alone. And so I do. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, so far you've only seen the ones that uh, that are dormant, not the ones that actively try to murder you. No, they were, they usually are like one or two ships and they run away. Usually, that's all I've oh, found I so see. far. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're gonna have more fun with. Uh, oh, goody! <laughs> some of the other ones. Uh, so I think there's a lot of stuff to build on with that and the use of AI cores. Um, Oh, so eventually you could use those AI cores for yourself rather than just turning them in for money? Yeah, yeah. You can install AI cores in industries uh, to improve their effectiveness. What? And also, 
Also, you can assign an alpha core to govern a colony, which is definitely a good idea and totally wouldn't have any downside whatsoever. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so eventually the game will be less about exploration and more about expanding and protecting your own colonies. It sounds yeah, like. I mean, there's a limited amount of stuff to explore, right? It's not an infinite sector. So I feel like in a playthrough, yeah, you start out exploring and you clear probably as much of it as you need to build up to colonies and to just kind of get that going. And then it'll move on to an end game, which should be something that's kind of a bigger challenge. Uh, but I don't know exactly how many details I want to go into there because, like I was talking about earlier, the details really change. But uh, really getting to the point where uh, those are the things that I would be working on uh, going forward. And there's a few more mechanical things I'd like to add here and there. But a lot of the stuff from here on out would be more content and end game things and so on. Well, that's awesome because, I mean, it already feels like there's a lot of game in here. Um, not just with the exploration, but like eventually the, I mean, I'm, I don't feel anywhere near ready to colonize yet. And I'm like five or six hours into my current playthrough, I think. Mm. But I've been taking it slow. Like I've been, like, I think on the forums it said early in the game, just grind some small pirate fights. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to set up a small colony uh, as soon as you're able to. Oh, really? That can be just a nice, nice background source of income uh, that can keep you going. If you start developing industry and trying to make more of a profit, that's where you could get into trouble. But if you're just kind of small enough to avoid notice, you know, just like a small mining outpost, nothing too fancy, then that should be fine. I haven't really found a. I don't think I found a good planet yet. Like every planet I found is like, uh, the uh, the risk is minus one fifty or something, one hundred fifty percent. Like oh god, because it's like it's a nice planet. It's got farmland, but it's terrible. It's like oh god damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean one fifty is not too bad. Uh, it's it, not that it, bad, it, really. No, a hundred percent is baseline for a Terran planet. What? So one fifty <laughs> is. Not great, right? Like if you find a hundred percent hazard world or seventy-five, that's that's amazing. But those are also less likely to have resource deposits. So, so uh, is all right. So I mean, I can colonize. Um, I can colonize stuff, but can will the AI eventually start doing that as well? Like once you turn in survey data, like I didn't want this planet, but maybe the AI will. Will they eventually start colonizing? Because I haven't seen that yet, but I'm not sure if that's in the game or not. No, it's not in the game, and I don't think that's something that I want to do, because that turns mm. the game very much into a 4X kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's that, fair. It's fair. It's just not how I see it. it. I feel like sort of the balance of power and so on should be f not completely static, but it shouldn't be that dynamic. So it's really just the player establishing their own faction. I could see maybe mm. another faction occasionally as kind of a scripted event trying to set up a colony somewhere, but I wouldn't see that as just a baseline gameplay mechanic. Okay, that makes sense. So I wanted to ask about the factions. Um, you can apparently join the, one of their militaries. 
Like, I don't know if you can join multiple ones. I, I've only tried once. Um, yeah, I guess you, you can, can only join just jo- the one at a time. What is the, what's the benefit and the, the, the downside? Like, what's the, what are the upsides and downsides of joining a faction's military? So, uh, first thing I want to say is that's not super fleshed out. Uh, right now, the benefits, there's two benefits. One is they pay you a commission based on the size of your fleet. So that's nice. And then as your reputation with the faction improves, you also get access to better ships from their military markets and better weapons, which can make some of the harder stuff to get easier to get. But it also means that you're going to be hostile to the enemies of the faction and Castilius can change pretty rapidly. So that can really... it can really drive what you can and can't do. For example, let's say you join up with the hegemony and all of a sudden it's hostile to Tritachion, so you can't go into their space unless you're looking for a fight and their patrols can be pretty strong. So in the early game, that can be a very big deal. So it's probably not a great thing to do early, right? I feel like you need to be more prepared. All right. Uh, a lot of people in the YouTube chat, especially, are yelling about yelling at me about the planets I did not colonize uh, when I recorded the video that's playing in the background. <laughs> they are very mad at me, apparently. So I am probably going to go back <laughs> and try and colonize some of these planets. Like someone's yelling at me, oh, like a, a, a class a one fifty class five water world that you didn't colonize, you idiot! I'm like, oh my god. Guys, sorry. Yeah, see, I was saying, 150 is not that bad. I don't know. It looked really bad to me. Okay, I'm like, 100 sounds bad. 150 sounds worse. I don't know. <laughs> you know, at one point, actually, hazard uh, hazard rating of zero was baseline. So that would have oh. probably made more sense to you that way. Yeah. But then, yeah. The, the, the reason I changed that is. Uh, this way, the hazard rating is just directly how much upkeep costs are modified by. So oh, if it's 100%, then they're just the baseline value. 150 means you're oh. paying 50% more upkeep. So basically, we have, then, a hundred, we have 100% threat level living on Earth, basically, is what you're saying. It's like living here, basically, is 100%. Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, just that's normal. Okay. <laughs> I get it now. Okay, I have some work to do. <laughs> I am a moron. <laughs> you guys are right in the chat. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Seems a little harsh. But no, you're no. our idiot. No, they weren't calling me an idiot. That's just what I was saying. But they're like, God, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so I did want to ask, uh, switching gears a little bit, about all the ships in the game. There seemed to be a... Uh, I think the technical term is metric fuckton of uh, of ships <laughs> in this game. Like, how many ships are in this game? I could check right now. Oh. Okay, maybe I can't. But I would say hmm. player controllable... Probably around 40 or 50, something like that. Don't quote me on that. 
I I uh, have to I have to say I love the auto fit functionality. Uh, for especially for a noob like me who doesn't really know what they're doing, it's like, oh, that looks good. Done. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that's working for you. I felt like kind of needed something like that because the fleets can get kind of large. So oh my you god, can, yeah. You know, it's okay if you're just out of fitting your flagship or a couple other ships, but if you're manually outfitting you know Wolf class frigate number eight in your large fleet, then that's a bit of a drag. Yeah, I appreciate that because that's that's one thing. Like, I'm sure some people love to do that, and I like that the game gives you that option if you want it. But like, there's some games that like force you to do that, and you're like, uh, really again with this? Okay. Yeah, so and you can actually also uh, set up your own target variants for AutoFit. So if you want to do something very specific, you can actually do that with AutoFit. Really, the way to replicate what you've done. Oh wow, that's that's amazing, and and it looks like there are even ten times that many weapon systems and toys for the ships, like missiles and machine guns and lasers and ion cannons. Like how many? Just weapon types. How many weapon types are in the game? Would you say? There, there's um, well, there's three core weapon types, right? There's ballistic weapons, energy weapons, and missiles. Then within that, there are three sizes, small, medium, and large. And overall, again, something like, again, don't quote me on that, but something like maybe 40, 50, 60 weapons. I'm not trying to have a huge number of weapons necessarily, or ships, but just kind of want to make sure that most of the roles are covered so that there isn't, you know, 50 flavors of slightly different machine guns, right? you have one or two different kinds of machine guns that pretty much that that that's good enough for machine guns you know right right that now that makes sense because you know like there's some games like machine gun plus one machine gun plus two and and i i get it but it's like eh, like something a little different than that please yeah and i think i mean that can work if it's a character that you're upgrading or just a single ship that you're upgrading but it doesn't really work if your game in your game you have a fleet of maybe like 20 ships and then you've got machine gun plus one plus two and so on that's just too much to try to keep track of yeah like uh how many ships can the player have in their fleet i think i'm up to like 16 right now there's a hard limit of 30 but oh you can actually change Lord. that in your settings file. Oh my lord, that's a lot. And but I, but I really, I one thing I really love is um, how mixed your fleet can be. Like it's not all combat ships. You can have tankers. You can have freighters uh, that increase your range and your cargo capacity. You never send those into combat, obviously. Um, but I like how you can have a really mixed fleet that allows you to like. Like, one of the game starts, I think the one I chose was the Explorer that came with, I think, a tanker. And that was such a boon in the early game (laughs) for me. You pretty much need a tanker. Oh, God. At least one. At least. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You just just can't really get around without one. I think I have two or three at this point. (laughs) Uh, That that seems reasonable, especially if you're going to salvage a bunch of fuel somewhere. 
really be painful to have to leave that behind because you oh, don't have God. the capacity. I, I have had to leave supplies and fuel behind because it's just been too much. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's absolutely you know you heartbreaking. You can come back for it, right? I know, but I can never remember where anything is. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's probably costs more than it would be worth to, but you know. One thing but, I would like to add at some point is some way to add markers to the map. Just to kind of help you remember. Oh, like I left these. I like like here's a marker. I left cargo here. Come back for it. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, like I'm not sure about actually custom notes, but maybe just choosing from a set of symbols or something like that. Oh, like a cargo symbol and a come back here when you're more powerful symbol. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that could be nice. And we'll just like, have that show up on the Intel screen. Like I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this fleet. Emergency burn. Run. Marker. Go. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I died five times. Let's not make it six. <laughs> like don't come back here until you have a bigger, better fleet of high tech ships. None of this low tech crap. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, there is just. I just love how so much is going on in this game. And how do the factions interact with each other? Like, is that still being fleshed out? Is that a part? Is that also part of the background simulation? Because there are several factions in the game, and they all definitely have feelings toward one another. Um, yeah, so right now, that that's not something that's very fleshed out. There's some hostilities between factions that are more or less random. And they don't really mount any invasions or anything like that. If they happen to have colonies in the same system and they're hostile, then they'll fight. But beyond that, it's uh, fairly static. That's definitely something I'd like to look at uh, to see how uh, to see where I want to spice that up. Again, I don't necessarily want to go on there, but I could see adding some events for say yeah, I mean, decides to invade. Yeah, you don't want to go Crusader Kings on it, I guess. I bet, I know, but <laughs> but uh, it, it did seem yeah, it did seem happy... it did seem really neat. Like, can you be friends with all of the, like a lot of the factions? Like, because it looks like you can at least when you're neutral, you can do work for all of them, which does give you um, a reputation bonus. Yeah, I think in theory you could be friends with everybody. It's harder to be friends with pirates just because there's less jobs and uh they keep trying to kill you which puts a damper in the relationship but it's still possible Hmm. yeah the pirates aren't really happy with me right now but that's fine (laughs) well you you did say you were uh grinding them yeah exactly uh, I, yeah, I, I i can't imagine they're too happy about that no no they're not um but i haven't seen much of them in a while after the first couple of uh core systems maybe i've been but i have been like check out this uh scan this planet that's at the edge of the solar of the sector in this nebula all right bye <laughs> i'll be back in three months uh, or whatever how long it takes yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, most pirates are going to be around populated systems or yeah. around pirate bases. So, yeah. and and one thing that is fascinating, uh, getting back to that, is the how real time the game is. Like, you can pause it or accelerate time, but time affects everything. It affects how much fuel you use. It affects how much how much um, supply, how many supplies you use uh, per day. 
you know i i i find that i find that fascinating does that make the game easier to tweak than something that's maybe turn based or is the premise basically the same could you elaborate exactly what you're well it's what you're like thinking here? it's well some people some people have a problem with real time games some people have a problem with turn based games and i notice because you have a real time clock that affects consumption um, like, does is that make things more manageable for you as a programmer than say having the game be like, for example, um, Space Rangers is a turn based game where every day is a turn, basically, mm. and so there's no food, there's no like supply consumption there, but it it feels kind of similar where like you're spending a day to move, a day to move, a day to move. It takes thirty days to move to this system. And so you're going to use that much supply and that much fuel. I see. Um, I think if anything, it would probably be easier if it was turn-based because things would be a lot more granular. Mm. Uh, and you you can in in turn-based you can get a lot uh, things. You can make things feel more evocative, kind of for free. You can say like you know you're doing this action and it consumes X amount of resources. And the player is just automatically primed to have their imagination supply all the details. Where if it's turned, where if it's in real time, you don't really have that as much. Mm, right. That makes sense. Oh, what was I going to ask? I I just I just had a question on the t- on the tip of my tongue. Um. I hate being sick because it makes my brain all fuzzy. You know, it makes my brain very cloudy, you know? Yeah, it's no good. No, and so I, I had a question about something, and now I can't remember what it is. <laughs> um, I th- mm. Oh, so I've noticed. I got it now. I apologize, right. folks. I got it now. I noticed that supply and fuel usage is different depending on what you're flying through. And like whether you're flying through a nebula or deep hyperspace or a storm. Um, and so my question is kind of two part. How do you calculate that for one thing? And two, is there a way to avoid the storms in hyperspace? Cause I have not found a way as of yet. And it's kind of frustrating to lose supplies to have to repair a ship that was damaged in a storm. You know what I mean? Right. So as far as supply use, you, your fleet, your ships have a basic maintenance cost, right? So that just um, gets deducted over time. And then if they're recovering combat readiness, there's that's an extra cost. So mm. those are the only two factors from your ships. So if you're flying through a nebula or whatever, the supply use would be the same. But if you fly through a, like a star corona, let's say, that damages your ship's combat readiness, and that makes the supply consumption shoot up. Oh, and okay. If you, if you need to, you can actually turn all of that off uh, from your fleet screen, so you can stop repairs, which will uh, reduce your supply consumption to just the base maintenance cost. So that can be kind of useful if you're low on supplies and your combat readiness is okay. Oh, okay. And you through a or something. I was wondering that. I was wondering what that was all about. And as far as the hyperspace storms, 
like one thing you can do is you can just avoid deep hyperspace, right? You can go around the clear areas and avoid the clouds. Of course, that's going to take longer. Yeah, the exactly. Other thing you can do is you can, you know how when there's a storm, right? There's a lightning strike mm -hmm. and that yeah. can kind of send your fleet careening off course or just back where it came from, whatever. Yeah. Uh, if you, before going into the uh, deep hyperspace, if you engage emergency burn, that gives your fleet way more acceleration. So instead of getting bounced off, it can kind of plow through and it actually gets a huge speed bonus from the lightning strikes. So oh. that can be, like, that. that'll still cost you supplies to recover from the strikes, but it also speeds up how how quickly you get somewhere. Oh, so emergency burn, not sustained burn. Yeah, sustained burn is kind of the opposite. Oh. It gives you more top speed, but it also uh, really gives you bad acceleration, so you can't handle something that knocks you off course as well. Oh, because... Okay, I thought emergency burn was for only use in emergencies. Um, but it sounds like you can use it more often. So I will definitely be doing yeah. that. <laughs> I, I mean, it does cost resources, right? So it's, Sure. Uh, but it's it's a risk-reward thing. Like, is it going to cost more resources to repair my damage uh, and take more time to get to where I'm going or to use this thing? Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah. if you do it right, you go through the clouds, get a nice speed boost then I think that can work out. Because also you oh. can get somewhere faster. And like you're saying, time plays a role. Like it's yeah. just cheaper straight up because you didn't spend an extra five days spending supplies. Right. Right. So, okay. I'm going to have to try that next time I play. Um, I, I got to say, I try to avoid playing a lot of early access games because I don't want to burn out on it before, uh, yeah, I hear before, you. before it hits 1.0. But one, I have no idea when your game's going to hit 1.0. Um, no clue. I'm not even going to ask. I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That's. I'm sure you get asked that all the time. You're at, you're at version 9 already. It, it's getting there. I'm not even going to ask. Um, it's already when been it's ready. Yeah. It's already exactly. been a decade. It's already been about a decade. It's already been about a decade. Just, just fine. Um, but... Uh, but uh, yeah, I However, can't... the fact that you keep working on it is a testament because some Holy developers crap. just uh, stop. I mean, you know, people run out of money. Uh, life circumstances change. It's, you know, I think it can be tough. Like, I wouldn't necessarily assume it's because that somebody stopped just because they didn't feel like doing it anymore. You know what I mean? True, true. But I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to keep going, though. Yeah, Me you too. don't hear you don't hear a lot of developers sticking with a game as long as you have. Um, I feel of, like I've been fortunate to be in position to do that. Yeah, so have we, because this game is really shaping up to be really something special. I mean, a lot, I know a lot of people compare it to Mountain Blade in terms of its um, open sandbox nature. Um, but uh, it's really just something really unique in terms of space gaming, like in terms of how much it gives you. You know, it's it's really fascinating. You know, it's funny you should mention Mountain Blade uh, because it's 
it's an inspiration, but not quite in the way you would think. Like, not oh. as far as just the mechanics of it and so on. But I remember playing it, and it that's what kind of made me feel like, oh, there's actually an involved single-player game that can actually be successful. Because I think at the time I was, you know, it was starting doing this. It was mostly multiplayer-focused as far as just the games that were coming out. It, was it like, still is. It still is. Yeah, it was just like, that's just not what I feel like working on and just not what I want to make. And Mountain Blade really made it click for me that, okay, you know, there really is a market for single-player games. So maybe I can do something here. I agree, and I really appreciate you making a solely single-player game because, I mean, we we do enjoy... These guys here on the podcast have got... I was never into multiplayer gaming until these guys. Um, I mean, but that doesn't mean we don't enjoy single-player games either. Right, but what I'm saying is I was vehemently (laughs) anti-multiplayer until until these guys um, turned me around, but I still... Ultimately, prefer a good single Turn player. Around. Every now and then, I get sorry. Um, <laughs> I I will do karaoke at the drop of a hat, no matter how sick I am. I'll you know, I think it really hat. helped. I think yeah, any hat it doesn't matter. <laughs> any, hat. Um, any hat doesn't matter. Um, well, I think I think what helped with that too was is the emergence of um, Elite Dangerous, and then doing a lot of X Wing versus Tie Fighter nights and. It, it really was Stuff X-Wing like versus TIE Fighter that brought me around more than anything because I hated that game when it came out. Hated it. Um, but Is this after- like the original? The 90s? Yes. Or- yeah. Oh, that game was so good. It, it, yeah, it is. It was ahead of its time. But at the time, I was playing it with randos over a dial-up modem, and it's like, this sucks. <laughs> this isn't, t- this isn't well, the TIE Fighter I know yeah, and love. No, no. You know? Nothing about the experience you described sounds like it would be good. <laughs> but you had a better experience. Yeah, there's this, there's right? something to be said for when you're actually playing with people you know. Exactly. And that's what makes the multiplayer experience more interesting. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you don't know what you're going to get when you are playing with randos. It's just the way it works. Exactly. exactly. That's why I couldn't get into that Apex Legends thing. Like I love, I love respawn. I love their Titanfall stuff, but no, thank you. <laughs> um. So yes, again, thank you again for making a solely single player game. <laughs> because uh, there, I mean, there are quite a bit of those, but so many games now either try to be solely multiplayer and just go nowhere. Or they well, I don't know, it. man. As much as this game has changed over a decade, you might look back in a couple months and it'll be Battle Royale. Oh, oh that's God. right. Yes, oh, I got to get on that. No, but seriously, <laughs> multiplayer is so much harder to do as I far only, as I can only imagine. developer trying to make a game. Yeah. Not only is it technically a big deal, right? Like It's hard to make a multiplayer game play smoothly and so on. But you also just completely need a large active community. And exactly. Yeah. It's kind of a circular thing. Like if you don't have that, you're screwed. And at the start, you don't have that. So it seems very troublesome to actually even get off the ground or something like that. And then if there's some kind of lull, then 
you might just be dead. That's it. Yeah, like one game we keep bringing up, uh, it, it was called God Factory Wingman. It looked like this really amazing space combat game in the style of like Freelancer and Descent and whatnot. And yet no one ever played it. And you can only, there was no bots, you know, no bots at all. So because no one ever played it, no one could ever play it because there was no other players. And that's, I mean, I, I, it's gotta be insanely frustrating for a developer, but at the same time, it's like, there are games where there are multiplayer games where people spend all of their time, like Fortnite and whatnot. Like, how did you expect to compete with that? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You just, I don't know how you do it. I don't really know of any examples of successful indie multiplayer games. I'm sure there are some, but it just uh, seems exponentially hard. Single player. Uh, I, mm, I guess, does Minecraft count? I guess, well, sort of. Yeah, it was an indie title at the start, wasn't it? And that's yeah, pretty multi. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess Minecraft counts. Yeah. But it it's just like when when you see a solely multiplayer game just die immediately, like, or like when you see a multiplayer game come out on Steam and you see like five people are playing it, and you're like, nope, it's like a victim of its of itself. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's the other thing, right? You, like you said, you see those stats and you, you just can't help but think, like, well, this this thing's dead, right? And that's exactly. gotta have an impact on its success. Yeah. Just and the sort of impression it creates from everybody that's looking at it. Exactly. And and I think it's a huge mistake to not even factor in the idea of bots into a game. That you're going to make a multiplayer game but not even have the option to put in a bot option so that people can either you know practice on their own or play a campaign or anything of that nature it's just you're online only multiplayer yeah. only and if you don't have a community you have no game did we learn nothing from unreal tournament nothing <laughs> uh, yeah still... no, i think you're absolutely right it's just I think the first thing would do when making an indie multiplayer game is to figure out how to make it fun when there's only one player. Because that's mm-hmm. going to be like 95% of the time. Exactly. Like most of, the t- most of my time with Unreal Tournament was with bots. And I had Same. W- such a wonderful time because the bots were so good in that game. Oh my God. Yeah, that game was amazing. I loved the bots too. Like, oh my God. I, I know what you're talking about. It was, that was great. If you want a modern example of that, it's a top-down game, but it's called Gene Shift. And um, yes. the bots in that game are easily as good and compelling and realistic as the ones in Unreal Tournament. And they trash talk. I think I'll check that out. They, have tra- they trash talk. They have great names uh, for themselves. And uh, you could play a mini Battle Royale version of that game in three minutes uh, just with bots. And they will kick your ass. And it's amazing. It is utterly amazing. Uh, that is definitely one to check out. It's inspired by Grand Theft Auto 2. <laughs> which I think is the best one. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's campaign's great too. I haven't played any of the Grand Theft Auto games. None of, wait, not, none of them. None of them. Wow. Not a single one. 
that that's I have to say, sir, uh, that's that's pretty rare. Like there are people like me who didn't grow up with a lot of consoles, so I've never really played a Zelda game, uh, for example. Right. But I don't know if I've met anyone who hasn't played at least one Grand Theft Auto game. That's we're still have. we're still wow. waiting on Grand Theft Auto in space. It's like a space version of Retro City Rampage would be right on time. Yes. No one's Do you like been... walk up to a spaceship, punch the driver, get in? How great would that yes. be? I'd, I'd well, actually, that already that. exists. Does it? What's that? Yeah. Um, Spaz, what's what's the name of that signature? game? Yeah, Heat Signature. Yep, that is yeah. definitely Heat Signature. But then Heat Signature with multiplayer would be very interesting. Oh, God, that'd be insane. Single players and Yeah, I mean, if co-op too, but then, but the idea that, yeah, you could just be plodding along in your ship and you suddenly get jacked. Damn. Yeah, I always wonder about that because it feels like, like, yeah, adding multiplayer to something, oh, that'd be really fun. But then it seems like the gameplay would probably rapidly degenerate to like, oh, these are the two very best things. And if you use anything else, you're just auto dead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. the meta thing's a problem. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's again, it's really nice to have more games, and a lot of indies are doing this where it's just multi, where it's just single player. I gotta, I gotta say, yeah. I, I mean, the other that. the other side of the coin is if you suck at AI, you just make it straight multiplayer, and then you don't have to worry about it. You know, the other players are the content, but, but, you, but yeah, but there, then have, but then you have no good, players, then you have no players. So who cares about your game? Well, see, that's the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. God Factory. We're back to that again. <laughs> yeah. Or the exactly. first game, the the guys that made Battleship uh, uh, Gothic Armada 1 and 2 now, their first game had the same problem. It was multiplayer only. Which game was that? So imagine Battlefleet, Battlefleet Gothic, but it's only multiplayer. So oh God, you can't what? find anybody to play it. Yeah. You oh can't no. find anybody to play oh it. No. I forget what the name of it is. That sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds so Yeah, and, that, and their mistake the, the mistake continues, much like God Factory Wingman, they still sell the game for like ten bucks. There's what? nobody to play. So nobody's gonna bite, right? Because nobody's gonna adopt the thing when they look at Steam stats and they're like, oh, there's zero players. So why would I be the first? So that's kind of the problem. So you gotta seed the community really hard. Right, but with a single player game, you don't need to do that. So I exactly I, all those yeah. problems go away. Oh, thank God! I did want to ask a question. Going back to the game, um, right now there seem to be um, only like maybe what three or four different mission types. There's um, deliver a thing, scan a thing, uh, kill a thing. Uh, that might be it. Deliver a thing, scan a thing, kill a thing. Um, well, can you I, can you take the coward's path and just avoid combat altogether and try to just like deliver cargo around and explore? Yeah, and you, get it. You can actually do that. Uh, that's that's definitely a playstyle that the game makes an effort to support. There's a bunch of active ability, abilities you can use when you're playing around in the campaign, and uh, several of them have to do with stealth. Yeah. So you can yeah, go dark. Uh, you can do an emergency burn if you're noticed. You can do a sensor burst while hiding in some terrain to see 
other fleets before they see you. You can jump in from a fringe jump point so you don't get clobbered right away, that sort of thing. So for in particular for exploration also, that's a viable way to go. Like some of the systems can be very dangerous. Uh, there's going to be enemy fleets patrolling around the different abandoned installations and so on. So one way is you just take them on and then you get through and salvage where you want. Or you can play kind of a sneaking game, maybe cause a distraction in one place, draw the fleets away, or just sneak around, use terrain and all that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes combat is unavoidable, but you can retreat. Uh, yep. You can try to retreat anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> more accurate. Actually, one of the things I'm adding in the next release, which is going to be kind of a point one balancing bug fixing type thing, is Ooh. instead of just having to retreat, you would be able to uh, to fight, but then if you destroy or make the enemy, enough enemy ships retreat, you can disengage without having them pursue you. So it's kind of like a rear guard action oh. instead of a full-on battle. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, so I it mean, just gives you another option. It's I, because when... I'm sorry. Oh, no, go. Just gonna go. Say, well, when you try to retreat, right, your ships have to run away off the top of the map. And sometimes your ships are just too slow to do that, so it's not a good option. And other times they're fast because you've built for that, but it can be a little unexciting because, like, okay, you're just faster, so you're going to get away, and it's fine. Um, but being able to actually fight to make to let your f fleet retreat without that battle, A, let slower ships get away uh, without having to run off the map, and B, it actually opens up some more um, ship choices you can make. And for example, a specific kind of ship build might be really good for a shorter fight where you just need to take out a couple of targets and you don't need to have this sort of longer slog to win the entire fight. You just need to eliminate a few enemy targets quickly to oh, okay. disrupt them and be able to get away. So just more tactical options that way. That's cool. Um, but what I was, what I was getting at, uh, are there going to be more mission types like smuggle a thing or ferry a person, taxi a person from one place to another? Uh, yeah, gonna... yeah, for sure. This oh, is, good. um, something, uh, you know, I was saying earlier that one of the big things to do now is add more content. And that's, uh, that's definitely one of the things that, uh, we're looking at. Oh, good. Because, I mean, I... I exactly. Sorry. sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go, please, go. I was just going to say, it's hard to say exactly um, how it'll shape, shape up, because in some sense, pretty much every mission is going to be, you have to go somewhere and have some sort of interaction, right? That's just fundamentally how it works. But... Uh, got a lot of ideas for how to make that feel more fresh. Uh, actually, been going back and forth with David about this over the course of a couple of emails a little back. So, um, excited about where that's going to go, but not quite ready to dive into the details. Fair enough. I mean, there's already so much going on on that Intel screen that uh, it's 
it took me a while to figure out how to find things to do. I'll be honest. Like, where, what do I do next? And, uh, but then I've like, Oh, look, there's an exploration tab. <laughs> oh, they want me to go scan a drone. I'll, I can do that right now. <laughs> so, uh, you've made it easy to silo, uh, what you want to do next, which I like, um, from the Intel screen. But, yeah, um, but like you're saying, I guess it's just kind of a classic sandbox game problem, right? Sure. Right. A lot of the time, there isn't kind of a linear, this is what you do next kind of thing. Yeah, but so you got to make the side quest interesting. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, hopefully, there'll be kind of more. Uh, when there's more content, it'll be easier to stumble into things that you're doing. Like uh, the things you mentioned earlier where you take a mission to analyze an entity somewhere and then you fly there and there's other stuff to do. And then maybe one of the other probes you analyze, there's some data in the probe that you find. Right, This is this happens now and it tells you the location of something else of interest. So things kind of naturally chain together. Right. And right now, I feel like those chains can get cut short pretty quickly because there isn't as much content, right? But I feel like when there's more content, it'll it'll make it so that those things naturally stretch out, right? You kind of go from one thing to the next uh, because like- you're just playing and you encounter more things as you play because they kind of all try to maneuver you towards other things to do if that makes sense right like so it's like skyrim where you open a book and all of a sudden that starts a quest line because you read a thing exactly yeah no i like that that's great (laughs) i love that crap like i remember there was one great quest in skyrim that like was so sad but it started like finding a locket somewhere it's like oh go check out this house at the edge of the world it's like the saddest oh, story yeah. ever. You know? Do you know? The, yeah. Do you know that quest I'm talking about? It's like the saddest quest, and it's like, wow, that was that was amazing. I, I, see, I can think of a couple of sad quests in Skyrim, so I'm not sure exactly which one you mean, but I definitely remember it didn't end well. It was like a lighthouse, like right near the oh, top yeah, of the map. Oh yeah, like the the frozen the f- cave under it. With yeah, with the family who died. Oh my god. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. Oh my god. Yeah, that Boy, that was a downer. Oh, that made me cry. I actually got weepy. It's like, damn, that one hit me. <laughs> that was really one of the better ones, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. that one stuck with me. Like, Same, like that yeah. that one kinda like if 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 I run into a quest like this just every so often I'll be happy. They don't all have to be this good. <laughs> yeah, I mean it wouldn't work if they were all that good, right? No, it's no, but like every, of, oh, one more weepy quest. <laughs> Yeah, but every now and then, every now and then, just give me one that that's good, that is that good. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, I'll keep going. I'll play your game for 200 hours. That's fine. No, Main but quest, that was, that was a quest. great one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so someone's saying in the chat some kind of dark side of the world missions would be cool, like smuggling, I guess, or something they're saying. I'm not entirely sure. But are there, I, I mean, maybe missions where you're against the law or something like that, or sabotage or something. I don't know. That'd be kind of neat, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some kind of ideas in that vein uh, that, again, me and David have talked about. Uh, like, just 
one thing that might be kind of neat just to throw it out there. Say there's a mission to hegemony tells you to install a spy sat in orbit around the hostile, and you have to do it without being noticed. So that could be a fun kind of illegal stealth type mission. So you either have to be really good at sneaking or find some way to draw trolls or that kind of thing. And like that's that's one way to make a go there and do thing feel a little fresh. Right. Um, one because we have to, you don't just have to go there. You have to also sneak around. But the other thing is, let's say you have to deploy a spy sat. Well, that's a new thing, right? That's not something you do over the course of the game normally. So that would make it feel fresh just for that reason, just because it's a unique little interaction that's specific to the one mission. Oh, I haven't really done. I haven't really deployed any satellites yet, but I like that. That's an option. No, that's that's not an option right now. But I was oh. saying like for for not spy missions, satellites, like, but you can you can deploy things. You can deploy like nav beacons and things like that. Oh I, yeah, 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 that's right. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's gotcha. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind. of I haven't done any of that yet, but I like that you can do that if you want to. Um. That that's right. that is pretty cool. So you mentioned earlier. I wanted to um, flesh this out a bit. When you when you build a colony, you're basically creating your own faction. Is that yep. okay? And then your can your faction go to war with other factions, or is that coming? It it basically just keeps your relationship with um, with the other factions. But what happens is. As your colony gets more developed, and let's say you've got, um, I don't know, let's say you got a fuel production operation, right? You, you built the fuel production industry. Maybe you found uh, a specific gadget during your exploration. You install that into an industry, and maybe you use an AI core to boost it, and all of a sudden your fuel production is through the roof. And um, the current fuel producers are not going to be real happy with you. Ooh. Right, because you're cutting in on their market. So uh, that's going to result in expeditions getting sent uh, to take you down a peg. And right Ooh. now, that's basically the main kind of challenge of developing your colony, right, is uh, trying to balance out how much income you bring in versus how noticeable you become and how how much trouble you attract. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. <laughs> so it sounds like you're trying to get the um, the main gameplay systems ironed out before adding more content. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it, yep, and it feels like with 0.9, it's most of the way there as far as the actual systems, which I'm just super excited about because I would just love to get to the point where it's mostly content. So... There's just a couple of things I can think of that are mechanical that are still relatively big that are left. One is I want to look at uh, planetary invasions. Um, that doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be a thing, but I would like to look at how to make them work, and if it works out, I think that would be great. Uh, it does feel like something that could could be useful. Just... Um, could be an interesting thing to play around. Let's say you need to support an invasion in some way, or you just launch an invasion, or you have to defend your planets against an invasion. Like that just seems like a fun thing 
to interact with. So I want to take a really close look at it. And then the other thing I want to do is I want to have a look at the skill system. And uh, oh, I, we've, I don't we know if talk I'll about that. it. We didn't even talk yeah. about the RPG elements of the game. We haven't even brought that up. Um, wow. Folks, if you're unaware, real quick, there is an RPG system. So when you level up, you get a, a skill point. And it looks like what you can do is you can either maximize four general skills or you can buy specific skills. That's what it looks like right now. So that, the way that, that works is you've got aptitudes which govern a set of skills. So like there's combat, leadership, technology, and industry. And each skill under that can get up to three levels, which you need three levels in an aptitude to get up to level three in a skill, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. So if you're level one in an aptitude, you can't get to level two in any of those skills because you're only at level exactly, one in the yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. in a way, it's kind of wasted points, right? Because the points in an aptitude don't give you anything other than access to a higher level skill. Oh. So it incentivizes you to kind of uh, to specialize more because if you want to get skills from everything, well, that's 12 points you got to put in to unlock all that. Oh, God, I feel so stupid because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well. Um, can you reset that stuff or... Uh, if you download the console commands mod, you can. Oh, and that I should get, be compatible with your save game. I guess I'll be downloading the console commands mod to change that. <laughs> I've been putting I've been putting most of it, I think, toward industry because I'm big into exploration and salvage. So I've I've been all my the majority of my points are there right now. But, I mean that's uh, good, uh, but as long as you don't have any empty aptitude points, you know, just three points in combat, no combat skills. That I do have that. that. So I do have that. That's uh, what I'm talking that, about. That's yeah. Not so good. Uh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that brings me to what I actually kind of want to address with the skill system is I think it's a little overwhelming right now. There's just too many options right at the start. So mm. I think if I end up doing something with it, what I would love to do is just to minimize the number of choices that you're exposed to right away and have kind of more choices unlock later. For example, just a simple example, right? Instead of an aptitude, maybe you just have for combat or for industry, because you have five sets of two skills each, right? And you need to pick one of the two and then you get access to the second tier once you've picked one of the two. So at first you just have access to two industry skills. You pick one, then you get access to two more. You pick one. So that kind of thing, and not to say that that's necessarily how it'll work, but I hope uh, that the point makes sense, right? Less choices early that kind of grow as you um, get further along. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to download that mod and redistribute my points a little bit because uh, I made that boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Wow. My apologies. No, it's it's fine. It's again, it's still early access, <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's some it's just something like maybe write a note like I need to cover that in the tutorial, you know, <laughs> or maybe cover yeah. it a little better, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think actually the tutorial does cover it, but yeah, it's just like 
Because I thought just it. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I know, just we, keep, it's, it's, we keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all right. But I was just going to say that it's unreasonable to expect everybody to read everything in the tutorial, right? It's, it's just as much as I would like to think that people are going to read that. It's just it's just not going to happen, right? Who reads tutorials these days? I try to, but apparently I missed that. Yeah. Like in the, at least it's not like a text file hidden away somewhere. Oh, God. Not oh. even in the game, maybe. Uh, that's, that's, oh, okay. That's, a, that's, a, that's an inside joke to another game that... Let's, let's not. Let's not. Uh, yeah, let's, let's not go there. Let's not. Um, but no, I, I thought that by leveling up those attributes, you got like some kind of bonus or something. You know? Right. Apparently I think it actually no. says in the tooltip what the aptitudes do, I think. Yeah, they they might, but I might have missed that. I do love how yeah, many tooltips no, your games ha your game has. I love that. But yeah. yeah, that's a mistake I made. But that's okay, folks. Yeah. Uh if you're pl- gonna play this game, don't put all your points into empty attributes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, put a skill in there somewhere. Jeez. <laughs> Don't be like Brian. Do not be like Brian. What would Brian do? Do the opposite. Basically is what is what you need to have in your head. <laughs> Damn it. I cough every time I laugh. Um, that's annoying as frack. Anyway. Yeah, so we're coming up on two hours. So, Oh, God. Is, we are. Have, have we not covered it? Yeah, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to uh, tell the folks about? We have, I think, the biggest chat room we've ever had. Uh, we have over 50 people watching, which is amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your your game is popular. So is there anything like you say, you'd like to say to all these folks? Anything we didn't cover? Or just anything you'd like to say before we start wrapping up? I- pressure. Pressure. I want to plug the fleet building tournament that's going on now. So I, I don't know if you know about this or heard about it, but um, basically it's the closest star sector is going to get to multiplayer and it involves a lot of custom modding. And um, frankly, it's an amazing amount of work and it just blows my mind that people do this, but the way it works is a couple of people set up custom fleets and there's a whole outside the game system for how much it costs to quote unquote buy a ship to put in your fleet and all that stuff. And then fleets from two players, participants in the tournament, fight against successive waves of uh, of opponents coming in. And then the ones that get the furthest through uh, get the most points and eventually make it to the next round and win Thank the tournament. God. That does sound like a lot and, of work. I think that's why we've yeah. never done a tournament. <laughs> and it's uh, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me uh, how involved it is and how cool it is. Like um, mm. I think the previous round, see if I can find a GIF of this. Just uh, see... And your Twitter, by the way, is very active with some amazing gifts. By the way, you've got a great Twitter. Uh, FYI, yeah, I love putting gifts out there. It's just to me, those are so much fun. Uh, the, oh, they're great. 
They're great because I mean they're they're quicker than videos. They 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 won't wake up someone in the middle of the night when you're on the toilet uh, to watch them. Uh, so can I post the? Uh, the link you can post it into the stream chat channel. Yeah, uh, I'll, put, I'll post you know, it on the which is up above. No, or that works too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this just kind of blew me away because first of all, this is a huge right. Um. But the neatest thing about it is it's got all these modules, right? And each each of the modules has uh, the weapons from a has weapons from a different mod in it. So it's like five or six different mods uh, being used by that ship. Holy so, lord! Like, and this was the final boss in uh, one of the waves for the tournament. Oh my god! No, it's just the coolest thing to me. I just can't get over how cool this is. And so this one ship is made up of different mods, and the game is using, I guess, save files or fleet files or something to have these different fleets. And it's all just working. And not only is it working, it looks amazing. Um, yeah, I don't actually know exactly how it works on the back end as far as uh, what they've done to make this work. Wow. You don't know. That's amazing. That's even more amazing. Like you don't know how they did it. <laughs> wow. You made the no. game. And you don't know how they did it. Whoo. Good job. Good job, modders. Holy garbage. Seriously. Um no, the modding community is just amazing. Yeah, folks. Uh if you go to the the website fractalsoftworks uh dot com, there's a forum there's a forum there. And in that forum you will find a list of mods. And as we were talking about earlier, there are so many mods for this game. You could, like, you should play vanilla like I'm doing to learn the dang thing uh, and not make dumb Can I mistakes. I have a Klingon fleet. You know what? Uh, I, I don't think so, actually. I, I think um, there have been a couple of mods that started with, you know, existing IPs. Like, I think there was a Star Trek mod, a Star Wars mod. But. At least in my experience, those mods just don't tend to stick around between versions all that much. I feel yeah. like people that are more invested into the thing they've created, like their own custom faction, um, th- those are the mods that tend to stick around. Mm. Whereas, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there were Star, Star Wars ships in here like that? Yeah, yeah they do it, before, and then they did it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Which is weird yeah. because... Yeah, that, version and which is weird idea. because you have other games where, like, the Star Wars and Star Trek mods are, like, the most prevalent, like Distant Worlds or Stellaris or whatever, where those mods just stick around. It's kind of interesting. I think part of that is to do with that Star Sector is early access, and uh, each new release kind of does a number on the mods. I mean, I try to avoid it as much as possible. Like, you know, ship ship data is not going to change to the point where everything stops working, right? But still, there's a lot of work to do between updates. Well, you know, that I think uh, that makes the single player a little bit easier to manage, though, when it comes to mods. And I'll explain that in terms of, like, space engineers. So, like, space engineers... You know, you have like a huge modding community and then you get a new huge update to the game that breaks all the mods. And if you're running a server with mods on it, it breaks the server and then you have to like fix all that stuff and it becomes a pain in the ass. 
as we're like in this scenario, uh, you know, if it's a single player thing, it's not too drastically hard to update mods or make mods work with the newer version. I think it's, I mean, it's, I think it's still a lot of work because usually there's a lot of new features in a new version that a mod has to, the, the modder has to figure out how to use them. Like, sure. Sure. I mean, and it also just depends on like what the mod specifically does too. But yeah, right. But to your point, like it's not as game breaking because like if all of a sudden the server you used to play on is gone, that's kind of bad, right? But right. if hmm. if you can still fire up the game and play vanilla, and it's no problem, then right. Yeah, nobody busts mods like Stellaris though. <laughs> this is true. That's very, another very true. game that has given me six games for the price of one. And we still don't know what it's going to look like at the end of it. And, and, done, end of it? Will there be? Will there ever be an end of it? Well, there, gonna... there, there may be an end to it. I don't know. I, I think it's still going to be DLC in six years, like Crusader Kings or Europe yeah, or whatever sells. They'll, they'll play it out by putting out music pack DLC. Oh, at God. Anyway, portraits. let's start wrapping up because uh, I'm also losing my damn mind. So, uh, folks, just a couple of notes real quick before we wrap up. Um, Thursday on the LAN party, uh, we're going to return to Divinity Original Sin. Um, we tried that in co-op a month ago, had such a wonderful time. It's, we've decided it's going to be our new long play game. I mean, how could you be mad at a game that lets you talk to cows and chickens? Uh, That's what I was going to ask is, did somebody take, I I did indeed take that. Okay. Saz specifically took the talks to animals skill, uh, whatever it's called. So he can, he's, he's, we actually, I think got a murder clue from a cow or something like that. So, uh, it's an I love it when the animals assume you can't understand them and they talk shit about you. <laughs> yeah, it happens in the background. You can just be watching and they start talking. Well, look at this asshole. Yeah, it's great. Um, so that's this Thursday. And the next Tuesday, uh, we're approaching uh, not only the sixth year of the podcast, but our 300th episode. And so we're going to try a new structure and take it for a test drive next week. Hey. Sorry. Cats are fighting. I don't know if you I don't know if you I don't know if you heard the hey. history. <laughs> hey, Sorry. I was cats. wondering if I was wondering if that was like the new spin on the show. No. No, that's uh, <laughs> it's not my uh Peter Gabriel style yell into a microphone or whatever. Um no, we're going to be trying a new format uh, next week that uh, in, not only includes like a topic, but also um, news and whatnot. So we're going to try that next week on the show. Not sure what the topic's going to be yet, but we'll come up with something. Uh, when, so, Brian, when, Brian, when Brian turns into Harry Carey, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully my voice If the right. moon was made out of cheese, would you eat it? Hell, I would. I'd eat the whole thing. What is that from? What is that? What is that from? Is that from, it's the, from the bottle that Hunter's got in front of? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Hi. <laughs> uh, so, uh, folks, I want to specifically thank the people who support us on Patreon. 
Uh, we're putting together a Patreon refresh uh, in the next couple of weeks, which will include actual merch. Now that we have a merch store on Teespring, um, so if you uh, link in the description, it's Teespring <laughs> dot dot com slash space hyphen game hyphen junkie. You can buy shirts and tote bags and things. But now we're going to have Patreon tiers that includes stickers and tote bags and shirts and things. Plus also some other things we're looking to put in there. Uh, so keep it's an eye on Instagram. <laughs> we're not, on, we're not on Instagram. Uh, no. Well, we are. Yes, we are on Instagram. I forgot. You could model that thong. The woo yeah. thong, bro. Oh yeah. my God. I was so disappointed. Teespring doesn't let you make thongs. I wasn't. I was. Anyway, uh, um, Alex, we've also been trying to. Uh, I was gonna say we've also been trying to do a few little community get-togethers here and there. At least I have. Uh, did a little um, pulsar the other night with a few people, and that was uh, some fun. Yeah, um, I saw you did something else the other night too. You played something else with some people, like three or four. People. Um, I can't remember what it was at, right now though, but. I, I was trying to pull some people in for a little uh, space engineer since it's getting a little bit more stable. So it's actually coming free out to of hop early in the community. Access. Oh my god! Feel free, yeah, feel free to hop in the community and holler out like, "Hey, playing such and such, come join me." Hop yep. in a voice chat. We have a pretty so. active. We have a pretty active Discord. That is probably our most uh, active community. Is is on Discord. You can find a link uh, either in the show notes or in spacegamejunkie.com. Uh, and we're all, we always love new folks. So uh, yeah, we have and, over a hundred devs, by the way. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to talk to some of them, hey, uh, they mm-hmm. hang. Right. And and they're very awesome. very interesting devs, like Alex here. Yes. Yay. So, speaking of Alex, thank you so much for uh, again. I apologize for not bringing you on sooner, but I'm so glad uh, we brought you on to talk about your fascinating game. I mean, it's really coming along nicely. And I have never seen this many people in chat at one time. Uh, Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's it's been our pleasure. And we'll definitely have you back on uh, at least one more time, either before you hit 1.0 or when you hit 1.0, whenever that is. Again, I'm not asking. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you so much for listening and for watching. And we will see you next time. Have a great night, y'all. Bye-bye.